We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, October the 26th, 2021. Today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me. He says each and every single Tuesday to help break down just what went wrong in college stations. Gamecocks fall to the Texas a and Aggies by a final score of 44 to 14. We'll also look ahead to the bye week and what possible changes need to be made around South Carolina football as the Gamecocks now sit at four and four overall, guys, we talk that much more here in a packed show on a Tuesday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention that companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. The movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. And every single Tuesday, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath. Alex is going to help us try to figure out what the hell happened on Saturday as the Gamecocks fall to Texas A&M for the eighth consecutive time by a final score of 44 
to 14. And maybe the most positive thing to happen over the weekend, by the way, as I'm sure you saw on social media, it finally happened. Alex McGrath and I met in person. Believe it or not, we never had, after doing this for years, had never met in person, but up in Greenville for the watch party, which again, thank you to all those who attended. We had a fantastic time. I thought Carolina Alehouse was a fantastic venue, and there wasn't a lot of orange in the bar after Pittsburgh beat Clemson, so that was a plus as well. But Alex, Thank you so much again for taking the time. Again, my man, it was great to finally meet you in person. But uh, I'll ask you this. Outside of the game, how was your weekend? Because I I know how your weekend was during the game because I was there with you. But uh, otherwise, how are things going, my friend? Appreciate you taking the time again. It was good, man. It was good. We were in the the mountains with my family for most of last week. So I got to do that. Got back uh, Saturday afternoon with the kiddos. Got them to bed and played outside all day on Sunday because it's beautiful here and then got to hang out with you, watch the Carolina game. If you want to call that a game. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I wish it was under uh, more positive conditions that we, we were watching uh, South kind of football or, or a more positive result, if you will, but that's neither here nor there, but we are going to talk about, about it. We are going to dissect it. We are going to break it down. Alex, for the second consecutive week, I almost don't know where to begin. Because for fans, right, for fans, and and for us included, we just want, and I think I talked to you about this on Saturday night, people just want things to make sense, right? Right. And everyone was picking a to beat Carolina and beat them bad and beat them pretty, you know, pretty big margin of victory. We, we, We expected that. But as I was talking to you off air, losing like I predicted 34 to 10 or even by the final score of 44 to 14, that's one thing. Being down 44 to zero and being outgained 470 to six late in the third quarter, that is another thing entirely. Being down 31 to nothing at halftime, that is another thing entirely. So, again, I don't really know where I want to start because when you get bludgeoned the way that we did, you know, the, 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 the lighthearted conversation of, oh, what'd you think about that play call? And how about that play? And, like, that's kind of out the window. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so you got to help me it's, out it's, today. It's, it's, I don't out, know where to go. The, it's, it's out the window because I don't <laughs> even know what play you would even bring up because yeah. <laughs> they were all horribly unsuccessful. I would almost rather talk to you about, like, national vaccine mandates than I would about the play selection <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's not in the game Saturday. Yeah, let, let's not go there. <laughs> let, let's, let's start with this, though. Let's start offensive line. As I told you off air again, and I talked about this on the show Monday, so those tuned in already know my thoughts on it. But, you know, I I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, but, you know, I'd said a couple of weeks ago, I'm not going to be the fire this guy, fire that guy energy in the sense of like, you know, again, I was the conductor of the fire must champ train basically and had the hashtag fire must champ and hell we made t-shirts and I mean, you know, whatever. But I am to the point where I will tell you this. I am very comfortable with a shame Beamer because, of course, we're going into a bye week. If Shane Beamer wants to make a change in any way, but definitely at the offensive line coach position, because you brought up this point on Saturday night. As a position coach, it's not like being a coordinator. It's not like being a head coach. You have one job, and that's the coach technique. And I don't know what technique it is being taught to our offensive linemen, but not only is it not working, it is embarrassingly not working. I mean, it is, it, is, it is beyond comprehension not working. So I, for one, Alex, and again, it's not just coming from me. There are others around Gamecocks football that you and I are both friends with 
that are not pleased with what's going on. I, I'm on record again for the second consecutive show, second consecutive day. I would not shed a tear if Greg Atkins was looking for a new job next week. Because, again, there's having a down year, and they're saying the roster, the roster, the roster, you don't have the players. And in many instances, you don't. But the one area of strength was supposed to be the offensive line. Over 80 career starts coming in. And when you have the type of performance we've seen at this point, man, whether whether it's going to happen in the bye week or end of season, doesn't matter. How can you bring Greg Atkins back next season? How can you do it? Can you do it with, 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 with I mean, how, how can you? How can you at this point? I, I mean, I don't think you can because, you know, apparently the um, Olay technique that you teach bullfighters is out of fashion <laughs> when you're talking about coaching an offensive line. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that you can, but I, I really think it goes, I, I honestly think it goes to a deeper issue and one that you talked about last week where, you know, you're in the stands, you're watching the game and you, and you know, the players are coming off and you see like the center and Luke Doty getting into it a little bit, not, not necessarily like yelling or getting ready to fight one another, but just having an above normal conversation about like things that are going on out there. So I think it really, I think this, and I know we've been talking about this for weeks, scheme's too complicated right now. Like it's, it's too complicated for a number of reasons. Obviously the offensive line is not getting it or something's getting lost in translation there. You know, it's not like they can't block. We've seen them do it. So it's like, if you're not going to dial that back on a, you know, a macro level for the team, you got to you got to bring somebody else in that knows how to coach that then. And, and you know, we talked about this Saturday night and, you know, Shane's in an awful spot because, you know, he gets there. You got Mike Bobo and Tracy Rocker, you know, who are going to. No, wait, who was our was Tracy Rocker? The it was Tracy Rocker. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay, Tracy yeah, Rocker. yeah. So you got you got Tracy. Rocker and then you and had the, and Bobo. then you had the Will Friend thing where he took over yeah. for like a week and then was gone. Yeah. At the O line so coaching you, spot. I mean, so you're talking about a guy that was at best our third choice, or if he wasn't our third choice, he was the only one available. So I don't think there's going to be any love loss there. So I think that is something that happens. I think the bigger question is what happens to Satterfield. Right. And we'll Which, move- and again, I'm with you. I'm not a fire in season guy, except for right. much champ, because we knew where that was going. Right, and right. Unfortunately, it was exactly it was painfully it obvious what was happening. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that you can recover from that graphic that ESPN just kept throwing up on the screen in the third quarter. That was, you know, four seventy to six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that you can recover from that. Yeah. And I think we talked about that Saturday night. It's just, it's just hard to overcome and survive that really. Um, again, speaking of the offensive line issues and Marcus Satterfield, you know, people want to talk play calling the offensive line has been so bad that it's hard for me to determine a lot of the plays, whether it was a good play call, because it's not even having time to develop. I mean, how, how are you going to know? I don't even know what was supposed to happen outside of Zeb Nolan running for his life or our, our <laughs> running back getting tackled for a three-yard loss. I, I don't know. Yeah. Again, I, 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 more so, yeah. even more to it than that, <laughs> you have, like, Zeb Nolan's a graduate assistant or was a graduate assistant five months ago. Right. And then your backup all of a sudden is a guy who transferred from division two. No shade. Right. To him. Well, FCS technically, time, but right. I mean, yeah, a different level. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, that, those are your two number one options right now. Right. And so I don't know what you do with that. Mm. I think you, I think you could 
you know, potentially do something better than what we've seen. But at the same time, like, I don't know what you do with that. Yeah. I mean, the, the roster has shortcomings, Alex, and certainly you've got to go out and recruit big time ball players and playmakers and God forbid, offensive linemen, guys that can move the pile. Um, I'm behind Shane Rule 110%. Whatever decision he wants to make, he wants to fire Satterfield after one year, so be it. I do agree with you, though, and I want to echo that point because, again, that's something people don't really give enough credit to, and we talked about that on Saturday night when we were together uh, at Carolina Alehouse or whatever, but, you know, Shane Beamer was kind of left in a bad spot in regards to hiring a coaching staff and guys bailing last second, and, and, I, and I know fans, at least a fair number, they want Shane Beamer to come out in a press conference and say, yeah, to be honest, man, the reason the offense stinks is because I couldn't get anybody better because Mike Bobo bailed. He's not going to say that. Like, it's a professional working relationship. You don't do that in business. You, you, you would never do that in any other line of business or work or whatever. But I wonder what the thought process is behind closed doors. And again, this is not me saying, again, like you mentioned, fire Satterfield or whatever. But like you said, that graphic is like that. There, there's two things from Saturday night that are burned in my brain. That graphic and Zeb Nolan laying on the ground, staring up to the heavens, like, why me? Why me? Um, I know. So, like, I didn't think he was alive for a minute. So <laughs> I, I mean, like, that's, he just hit and didn't move. And I was like, that, <laughs> that is like the image that summarizes Gamecocks football, truly. But truly. For right now, for sure. Yeah, it truly does. Again, it's funny, Alex, because it's like when you get beat as bad as we did, what do you really dissect and break down from the game? And we, 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 could, we could spend time talking defense, but I, I'm so hesitant to really go in on the defense because without them, you're not four and four. Um, I, I will make this point, though, Alex. South Carolina football, in my opinion, will not return to any sort of – I don't know if legitimacy, maybe that's a little bit of a harsh term. South Carolina will not get back to winning eight or nine games a year even until they can move the pile both offensively and defensively because we can preach about the defense and how great they are and the defensive line, all the studs out there, and they're really good players. But, damn it, when you're allowing 290 yards rushing and you can't run the ball either, show me a single good football team that can't run the ball and can't stop the run. I don't think you'll find any. It doesn't exist. You have to be able to run the ball and stop the run. Till Carolina can do that, I, I just – it's not going to be a lot of success, man. So, I, you know, I think that's where it starts. Again, I know it's sexier to talk quarterback, and we'll talk, I definitely want to talk quarterback in a second, but it's sexier to talk quarterback. It's sexier to talk receiver, tight end, defensive backs. Line of scrimmage, man, as much as the game changes. If you can, if you can look at the man in front of you and move him where you want him to go, you're going to have a lot of success just flat out. No, 100%. And, you know, like in their, I guess in their defense, we only ran, what, 20 snaps in right. the first half? Mm-hmm. And didn't oh, get they were gassed. Down. They were gassed, yeah. And didn't get a first down until the fourth quarter? I don't even know, Is it the man. fourth quarter? I, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. I, I was so, I mean, again, when you're down 31 nothing, as bad as it sounds, I was so checked out mentally, I don't even remember. So, I think it's something like that either way, but you know, it's, it's, I mean, we've got really good guys. We've got really, we have a really, really, really good front line right. on that defensive line. When you're running that many plays, you got to have some kind of depth behind it. And we just don't have that. Mm-hmm. So, and I it, mean, it, if the offense can't stay on the field and is making three and outs for three straight quarters, which I can't believe that's a thing. Um, 
you're going to get gashed mm-hmm. because they're just tired. Yeah. I, I don't know. Back to the offensive side, Alex. I, again, speaking of quarterbacks, I, I don't know if this is really a solution. But at this point for me, I just want to see adjustments made. At, at least try something, right? It's the bye week. Everybody in that building's got a long time to look at themselves in the mirror and say, what am I doing? What should I be doing? What's working? What's not? Would you continue to roll with Zeb Nolan, or are you making a change at the quarterback position? Because I understand Zeb Nolan is a veteran guy. I understand he helped write the playbook. I I, I get it. I just don't see a lot of upside playing him. He's not going to play next year. He's not going to be back. I know you're trying to win as many as possible in year one. I totally understand. But I don't see a lot of upside in it. What, what, what do you think? Do you think – and you don't want to make changes for the sake of making them, but at the same time, it's like you're almost forced to. Like you said, that graphic is burned in people's brains. You almost have to do something. Well, I don't really know what the point of continuing to play him would be. Right. Like, okay, all right, so you can make the same kind of argument like we made against – Colin Hill last year like Colin Hill didn't have any eligibility left like you're you at the point when you're like getting your b- doors blown off by everybody post Vandy like what's the point of running him back out there and listen I know you owe it to the guys that surround the quarterback to you know for the coaching staff to give yourself the best chance to go win a football game <laughs> but what we are doing right now is not giving ourselves the best chance to win a football game so at that point yeah I'd run Jason Brown out there, I'd run Colton Gauthier out there. Whoever you want to put in that position, like let's test the waters and see what happens because there's no downside to it. We're going to be double-digit dogs other than in Missouri the rest of the way. So see if you can find a spark. There's no there's no point in running Zeb back out there. Not that he's done anything, not that he's done anything like egregiously wrong either. It doesn't have anything to do with that, but it's like you got to develop the guys behind him at some point. And if you have an opportunity to do that, I would do that. Now, Alex, again, I'm obviously very fired up here as we're chatting. Let, let me inject some positivity and perspective here in the conversation because I've been doing that all season because I do have some conflicting emotions. You know, I am not excusing the way the game went Saturday. And, and, and when you lose like that, everybody needs to take accountability. That includes Shane Beamer. And I like Shane Beamer. You like Shane Beamer. But everyone should be held accountable. I will say this. On the glass half full side of things, you're four and four. You're not two and six. You're not one and seven. You are four and four going in your bye week. You're only one game off the projections of which I picked you in the preseason. I've had you at five and three at this point. And the really, I would say the only game that you lost that I was like, man, like you shouldn't have lost that way, was Tennessee. Like everybody expected you to get blown out by AM. Everybody expected Georgia to be an ugly game. You know, you lost to Kentucky by one score. So Tennessee's really the only one I look at. And again, I'm not excusing what happened Saturday. Tennessee's the only one that I look at and say, that, 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 that's troublesome to me. But you're, you are four and four. So, and again, the glass half full side of things, Shane Beamer, and I mentioned to you that this to you Saturday, I believe, Shane Beamer has somehow kept this thing from really unraveling and losing games that you think four and four is bad. There are some games that we could have lost that would have been, I mean, imagine today, but we'd have lost to Vandy. Uh, just imagine how much worse today would, right? 
So, I mean, or if we'd have lost to Troy or East Carolina. And, hey, if you want to discredit what South Carolina's done and say, well, look who they've beaten, hey, they've played who they played. You're going you're gonna to crucify them for that? So, that is my perspective and my positivity shining again. We're four and four, four games left. On the other side, though, because there is another side. I don't think Gamecock oh, there's, fans. There's another side. Yeah, I don't think Gamecock fans and alumni alumni like yourself and folks ask for a lot. And while I understand it's a ragtag roster and a roster that has holes and deficiencies, I'll never berate or belittle a Gamecock fan for asking their team to be competitive. You know, and people invest a lot of money and a lot of resources, and they travel to games. They have season tickets. They're in the Gamecock club, and hey, that's their choice. That, that's their choice to do that. But, man, you know, as Shane Beamer and this coaching staff and this football team, it's your job to put an entertaining product and a competitive, just a somewhat competitive product in the field. And so I understand people's frustrated. Hell, I'm pissed off. I'm frustrated. I know you're pissed off. You're frustrated. And, I, I you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know what the point me all saying that is. I guess the one thing I will say, though, to you, if there's something, if there's one thing that, Make me makes me feel positive and optimistic moving forward. As upset and irritated as we are, Shane Beamer's more upset and irritated. I promise you, because his name's on it. It's his first ever coaching job, right? If you believe in anything Shane said over the preseason, over the summer, I promise you it's bothering him more than anybody on Twitter. So I like to believe and feel like Beamer will make the necessary decisions to get Carolina football where it wants to go, I guess, if that makes sense. So, yeah, well, I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, nobody's going out there and trying to lose on purpose, but it's like, it's something it, to your point, you know, listen, we, we're four and four, all right? You, like, you can still make a bowl game because there are a couple of dumpster fires left on the schedule. Um, and so, really, it's like using the open week to go back and evaluate, at least, or at least I hope you go back and evaluate. Like what's worked, what hasn't, and how do we address those things, whether it's, you know, simplification, changing up play calling, whatever, whatever that is, that's like, they're going to go in and do that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens against Florida at that 730 kick. Yeah. Uh, Simple question, Alex, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Your opinion, watching this team, how do you fix this offense? How do you fix the O-line? you're going to have to score to win. I mean, that's, you know, the most obvious. Right now, like, literally, I'm looking, you know, it's kind of far off, but that Florida game, like, how are you going to score enough to win? How can you even score at this point? Like, I don't want to, you know, as Lou Holtz once famously said, things are never as good as they seem and things are never as bad as they seem. So is South Carolina six yards of offense late in the third quarter bad? I surely hope not. I don't think so. But – This is an offense averaging 20 points per game, Alex, and that's including a game against EIU when you scored 46. So, realistically, you're averaging less than 20 points per game. I mean, we've talked for weeks. I would throw more. I would do this. I would do that. Is this salvageable at this point offensively? I mean, mean, again, I know I sound like a broken record, but, yeah, I think it is. I think it's just you have to simplify. You can't run an NFL package without NFL players. And like that, that works when you've got, you know, boatloads of experience in the system and you got a guy, you got a signal caller back there that understands and knows how to manipulate that offense to the offense's advantage. 
that's not where we are right now. So that's like, to me, that's the number one thing you have to go in and you have to simplify this. Like you can't have a quarterback going in there making scheme calls for the offensive line before you snap the football. They've got to know where they're going when you break the huddle or when you're going, or, or even if you're going no huddle, just you're shouting out the play call right there at the line. They got to know where they're going. I think that would, I think simplifying it down and taking the variables away from the players, I think would help you execute at a higher level because you're, you're if you're in there and you're thinking too much and you're and you're the so you're the left guard and you're looking around, you're trying to hear a snap count. There's motions going on behind you and you get the call and now you're looking up and thinking, okay, where am I going here? What am I keying on? And the ball snapped. Like you're at a disadvantaged position there because you're trying to like go as hard as you can while trying to think like, Oh no, it's this guy. No, it's this guy. And then you Mm -hmm. miss. Yeah. Like, so if we can just knock that back a touch, I think we would see a lot more success in execution from an offensive standpoint. And again, I know that's a broken record take because I've been saying that for weeks now, but like you got to do that Mm -hmm. because if you don't, you're going to get, you're going to continue to get results like this because you you've got people playing with a lack of confidence and where they're supposed to be going. And that's not helping anybody. Yeah. And that, that's a huge question for me. What is the morale and the confidence level of this football team? Something really quickly that just clicked for me while you were, while you were speaking, Alex, that, Again, we've been talking about system and scheme, and I've, I've been putting a lot of it on the players and the roster and what you don't have. But let's talk system and scheme. You mentioning that, here is what scares me when you mention that. We are through eight weeks. The scheme has not changed, in my opinion. Again, I, I'm, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I'm not a head football coach. The results certainly haven't changed, so why would I believe the scheme has changed? If we go throughout this entire season and – The scheme doesn't change. Even if we want to put it on the players, right? You're saying it's too complex, too complex. We're going to need new players who are better, more athletic, more talented, right? I mean, there's just going to be, it's it's a battle of attrition. You're going to have new players. Why should I believe they're going to be able to learn the scheme? Or God forbid, anybody's going to be able to learn the scheme. I mean, if it's that, if it's that difficult, we're through eight weeks, we're still having problems comprehending. Because I think, and again, Alex, I think you and I would both agree. That is what, to me, that's what irks me more than anything. I don't care that we lost 44 to 14 in Texas A&M. What I care about is we're in week eight, and it looks like it's week one. Like, we're, we're making yeah. mistakes that are just so, like, th- this should not be happening. Like, like, and you, and again, so I understand where fans are coming from, where it's like, you'd like to think by, like, week six, seven, eight, go to the bye week, go to Florida, that you start to see things like, oh, look, it's starting to click a little bit. Oh, look, the you know, because you, you hear this in sales. I don't know if you maybe hear this in your line of work, but really anything. When you're trying to master a skill or master a sales pitch or master this or that, there is a light bulb moment for everybody where it's like it clicks. Oh, that was the one. Whether For some people, it takes one rep. For some, it takes 100. Some, it takes 1,000. But at some point, there's a light bulb moment. I'm starting to question if that light bulb moment is ever going to come for us. Cause it doesn't even look like we're getting close to that. No, no, it really doesn't. And that's like, if you ask me like what the like most disappointing aspect of the season has been, it's that like you, like the progression that we, you know, talk about ad nauseum is just, it's not there. And so 
at some point, if you're not seeing that, you got to change, you got to, you got to shift that around and change it up to get, put your guys in the best position to win. I mean, I, I used to complain about that with Holinsky all the time. It's like, you're trying to make this kid throw on the run. He's never done that before, or he's done it before, but he's never done it like this. Like take that play out of the playbook. Don't put him in that position. And it's the same thing with the offensive line right now. Like, listen, you know, the, the receivers we've got out there, that is what it is. You know, we, you know, we've got a guy that used to play quarterback playing slot receiver. All right. We, we just don't have a ton of depth out there. So you're going to get what you get from the receiving court. You're going to get drops. You're going to get routes run the wrong way. So be it. But none of that stuff can happen without the guys up front blocking or giving you any time to get the ball down the field at all. And it's like, I, I just really, and I don't even know that, I don't even know that it's technique. I, re- I really think it's – I like watching it, I really think it's just scheme. Like, and it's that you, you've got confusion there amongst those guys and there's too much going on. You've got to, like – it's not saying they can't learn it or they're incapable of running that, but it's a new system to them. And, you know, you're rota- you've had three different quarterbacks play this year. You know, so you, you've got to have something in there that simplifies that to make sure everybody's on the same page and that's going to give you better execution. So I, I mean, I hope that's what they do, but we'll see. And I really feel for our player players, Alex, when you think about just how many, I mean, there's, there's guys on this roster that have had three different OCs and, and people, you know, it's, it's like yeah. learning a different language. It's like learning. I mean, it's, it's, it's like learning a foreign language and it's just, man, like we're already talking about getting rid of Marcus Satterfield. And it's just like, I, I just, I just fear like, are we ever going to be able to grasp a system if we're just constantly changing these guys out? And again, I, I'll get to that question. I know I'm putting you on the spot yet again, but I trust in Shane Beamer, his decision-making. I know you do as well, but if things continue the way they are, would you, I guess I'll ask you this, would you be open to South kind of making a change at OC? Or do, do you think there needs to be like, okay, we need to at least give him another year to see if the the system can be picked up on and, you know, improvements can be made if, if, if a roster upgrade slightly can help out. Because, again, these guys get paid a lot of money. And I, I don't think, by the way, just because they get paid a lot of money, that doesn't excuse. These are still human beings. And that's not like you can just, you know, throw them around. Whatever. They're still human beings. But, you know, in college football now, you just don't get that time. You, you just don't. And we were talking about it Saturday. It's the culture of college football where you're not getting a job done. And we've seen it at other schools. Heck, Texas Tech, by the way, if you saw this, they just fired their yeah. head coach after two, after two and a half seasons. You're not getting very long to get the job done anymore. So if if things continue the way they have, which I think would probably mean you go four and eight, honestly. If you don't, if you don't improve any on offense, you, you're maybe you're five and seven. Maybe. Would you I guess the question is, would you bat an eye at, at Shane Beamer going a different direction at OC? I mean, would you do you think he needs to have another year to to get it going. I mean, you're just your overall take on the offensive coordinator situation, I guess. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fire him now, but I think if you don't see any discernible progress mm. in the next five weeks, I think it's definitely something that's up for discussion. And I would also tell you it's probably based. I think I think that should the decision should be based entirely on who you're going to get. Because I wouldn't necessarily part with Satterfield unless I knew I had a better option. Right. Very good point. Because like you don't want to like okay, 
he's gone. Now who are we going to get? Right. Like if you don't have that target sitting there right now, I don't know that I would make a snap judgment like that. Hmm. And not even that's a snap judgment, you know, and again, like if you see no improvement over the next four weeks, I don't think you can bring him back simply because and it's not anything against him. I mean, he's been an offensive coordinator before and it's worked. It just didn't work here. And so if that's the case, I mean, that's just the case. That's what happens. And I, and I think, Alex, the other piece in this, too, and we haven't brought a lot of light to this because I, I don't like shedding a lot of light on Facebook group rumors and message board banter, but I feel like over the last two weeks or so, I, I've started to hear more and more from people that I, I really trust around Gamecocks football. And I, I'll just say this, and I'm sure you'd agree, if there's any staff uh, – What's staff? What, what what's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't I don't know. Turmoil. Staff turmoil. Guys not getting along with certain staff members who aren't getting the job done. I think that changes the complexion of the, you know. I, I mean, I you know it, it's you're all working towards a common goal. We've all been on a team and and had a teammate we didn't like. I mean that, that's that's a given, right? But if it's to a point where it is affecting, let's just call workplace morale, or it is affecting everybody else doing their jobs. And there are very valuable, disgruntled staff members in regard. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that could be a whole separate piece of this thing that, again, you, I, or nobody else really knows about. Only Shane Beamer and those in the building are familiar with. So, hey, you can be an asshole if you're really, really good. Look at Steve Spurrier. I mean, is he the most <laughs> likable guy to everybody? Not necessarily. But when you win, it's a lot different. You can't Fair. be an asshole and your offense have six yards late in the third quarter. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, no, that's, yeah. that's a very, very fair point. Right. So, you know, anyways, going into the bye week, let's just get off the A&M game because what else is there really to say? Uh, going into the bye week, I'm curious. Again, your time as a player, for you guys, what was the bye week like? Again, I, I think it's a great time for reflection, and but also for these guys to get their minds off. I think Shane Beamer updating the schedule for this week. I think he said they're going to basically – they're going to practice through Thursday, give them the weekend off, which again, I, you know, I know that the crazies out there say they should be practicing. They, but I think the bye week comes at a really good time uh, where we all kind of need to take a step back and take a deep breath and say, okay, there's four more to go. We're four and four. There still is opportunity out there, but things have got to get fixed. And maybe, maybe stepping away, maybe resetting can help this group. I'm just curious again for you though, as a player, when you were at South Carolina, uh, Coach Spurrier in the bye week. What, what was he like? I mean, I'd have to imagine he was playing a lot of golf. But uh, what were the bye weeks like for you guys? What do you recall most? Were they were they beneficial? Did it really matter? Like, what what was the the bye week? No, like? the, bye, the bye week's really helpful because I mean, you you've got a shortened practice schedule, so you're probably only going to practice three days, hmm. and it's going to be a lighter practice. So it allows everybody to kind of heal up, do a lot of self scouting. Like, what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? What do we need to work on? You know, what like focusing on getting everybody back healthy and the treatment they need. And honestly, just being able to step away for a couple of days and just kind of recharge yourself and, you know, get out of that grind and, you know, maybe go home and see your parents, whatever you wanted to do on that weekend that you do have off. And then, you know, it's right back into the grind again the following Monday. So I, I think those are incredibly valuable just for the guys and for morale in general, because it's not. You know, it's it's not a week that's just go, 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 go. We got to get this done. We got to get this done. We got to get this done. It's like, okay, we're going to come in. We're going to self-scout. Like, we're going to change this up. We're going to have a light 
you know, three days of practice where, you know, nobody's going to the ground and then you're kind of out of there to give your body a break for a couple of days. And I think though that's the most valuable part to it. Yeah. Now what coach Burr's golfing schedule may have looked like, who could say? <laughs> but you know, like I wasn't privy to that part of it. Um, but you know, it, it, that's the best part about it. Yeah. It's just being able to kind of take a, just take a breather for a minute and just relax as much as you can. Yeah. And with that being said, you know, you, you mentioned recharging the batteries, sort of licking your wounds. That would lead you to believe that South Carolina should be primed to play their best football game of the season against Florida, the next opponent, which will be a night game at williams Bryce Stadium following the bye week. The Gamecocks coming off of the bye. Florida will be coming off of the Georgia game. So, I mean, Georgia, which I think they open as a 13-point favorite, which is a shockingly low number in my mind. But it did uh, seem low, yeah. It seems a bit low. Uh, either way, though, Florida will be coming off a really tough game against Georgia. Maybe they get embarrassed. Maybe morale is low. Who knows what's going on with Dan Mullen? They've been a train wreck all season long, certainly falling short of expectations. You know, I, I know we're coming off of a brutal, embarrassing game in college station. But again, injecting perspective, you're four and four. You have this bye week to get things figured out. Will there be changes? Who knows? Who knows? Shane Beamer's the wild card. Never been a head coach. Does he want to pull the trigger on somebody? I have no idea. Buckle up and we'll see. But we talked about this in the preseason, and I'll say it here again. As brutal as things have been, as topsy-turvy as they've been, maybe, just maybe, coming off the bye week, at home at night, maybe that can serve as some sort of hang-your-hat type of game. If nothing else, Alex, I know you'd agree, you got to give Florida your best shot. You, you yeah. cannot have two weeks to get ready and come out there and look anything like you did against A&M or Tennessee or Georgia. You got to put your best foot forward in that ball game. Again, it, it, it could be ugly, could be embarrassing again, but I also look at this game with, and you know, I think it's important too, Alex, for, hey, guess what? You've got Mizzou the following week. And you'd argue, I would certainly say that's your most winnable game left. But if you go out there and get embarrassed again against Florida, I mean, how much momentum and optimism and positivity? And you mentioned confidence. Like, getting confidence back for these guys is, is huge, man, because, you know, something I wanted to mention earlier, you know, we talked about when South going to beat ECU and when they beat Troy even, and, and some of these wins where it's like it kind of reaffirms what Shane Beamer as a first-year coach is preaching and what, what a brand-new staff is preaching. Hey, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing that. I, you know, I, I think – Shane Beamer's greatest job right now is keeping everyone balled in and keeping everyone on the same page. A bunch of guys he didn't recruit where it's like, you know, I, I can't even imagine what those offensive guys are thinking. Like, why are we going to listen to anything you say? Nothing is working, you know? So, like, yeah. I feel for the players in that regard because all they can do is execute the game plan that's given to them because if they don't, they don't play. They don't have a choice. They have to run right. those plays, right? So, you know, Shane Beamer, in a, in, a, in a way, again, you sign up to be a head coach, it's, it pertains many things. Being a salesman as well, selling hope, selling progress, selling the thing is heading in the right direction. He's selling that to his players. He's selling that to his, co his coaches. He's selling that to the fan base. And if you can go out there again and put your best foot forward and, man, at least make it a fourth-quarter game with a really down and struggling Florida team, I think that's something you need, man. Like, I, I don't want to set the expectations too crazy high, and I know Florida will be favored, but – God, you got to show a pulse in that game in my mind. 
Yeah, and you've got to score more than 20 points, I think, is the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you've yeah. got to have some measurable progression on that side of the ball. And, you know, whether, you know, if you, if you lose by three touchdowns, but you get 20 first downs, like, that's almost like the progress you want to see. Like, score points. I mean, I don't think I, I mean, I don't think that would be the case if you got 20 first downs, but you know, certainly at least give yourself a chance. Like, you know, that just didn't that hasn't happened at Tennessee. You know, then you go into the Vandy debacle, and then you get absolutely walloped by AM. Like, you need something good to happen to your point to make sure all those players are bought in. And that, you know, okay, you know, I can't trust this guy. He's giving me direction that's giving us success. And so, like, to me, that's the biggest thing is, like, can you make that – can you make any progression whatsoever on offense? Like, defense is giving you everything they got. And they've been doing that, I, I, to my, in my opinion, the entire time. And they've at least been putting you in a chance to be successful. We're get, they're, they're not giving the game away. We've got to do something on the offensive side of the ball to put us in a position to at least be competitive. And it is my sincerest wish that that's what's coming out of the bye week. Hmm. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah, well said. Well said, Alex McGrath, as always. Again, we'll, we'll, uh, it'll be a very interesting next week and a half or so as we get closer and closer to the Florida game. I'm not even sure if Alex knew this, but, of course, the Gamecocks in the bye week will be on the bye week next week. No show Tuesday of next week because your truly will be out of town. But uh, we will reconvene, my friend, uh, after the Florida game. Like I said, I, I think it'll be a good opportunity for us all to reset, recharge the batteries. The team needs the bye week. I think the fan base needs it damn near. I think the fan base needs the bye week as well. If I may throw one last jab, yeah, yeah. if you can believe it, our offense is actually ranked higher than Clemson's is. Very good point. Yeah, I noticed your face when I said that Mizzou was the most winnable game left. It might actually be the Clemson game. Really, <laughs> that might be like a ten to it six. Might actually be. You know, you know what I need? I need this more than air to breathe. I don't know if you saw the the uh, Illinois and Penn State game that went in nine overtimes. And once they get I to the, I think they once they get to the, see the third or fourth. Third. Yeah, third. Yeah. It's nothing but two point conversions. I need to see. South Carolina and Clemson's inept offenses try to score a two-point conversion on each other. Like, like that is like – I was talking to my buddy. I was like, that is like the ultimate measure of your offensive coordinator. Like, you don't have a single play in your playbook that can get us three yards until the ninth overtime? Like, what is going on? Like, I, I need to see these offenses, like a battle of futility. Like, truly. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, that's I mean, that, that's the that's the spot for the Jordan Burge halfback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, it's like, what? Hey, we're coach. We're in the tenth overtime. What do we have to lose? Like, whatever. You know. Did you did you know. also see the screenshot from that uh, Illinois Penn State game where they had uh, nine offensive linemen? I didn't see that. I, I did not. It's a. It is that is something. quite a sight to see. <laughs> that's maybe we, quite a sight. Maybe we should do that. I I, I was going to say that we'll do that and we'll call Max Protect and give up a sack to a three man rush. That's probably what we would do. Somehow, some way, that would happen. More than so, likely. Yeah. Hey, you know what? At least our offensive linemen haven't been blocking each other. That is a step in the right direction. So that is a step in the right direction. Certainly, Alex. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Again, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, we're going to 
reconvene after the Florida game. Again, a much needed bye week for us all. But again, I look forward to chatting with you again, my friend. And hopefully under more positive conditions, if nothing else, after some sort of an offensive output, only time will tell. But uh, Alex, always a pleasure, my man. I appreciate you. Always, my friend. Absolutely. He's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Wilts. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. (laughs) 